You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. us today that there is truth. There is truth. We have to listen to that. There is truth about who Jesus is. There's truth about the truth about where he came from. And there's truth about what he can do and what he did. And there's truth about where he is now. And knowing him, you won't see death. We are faced with the exact same decision today that these religious leaders were faced with back then. Jesus says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dave, he encourages you that in Jesus lies all truth. Don't look for outside sources to tell you what truth is. Truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ and in His Word. Turn to Him for all that you need to know and grow in. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 8 as he begins his message, I Am. You are We're in John chapter 8, verses 48 through 59. I'm reading from the uh, New King James Version, so um, if you have your Bible to open there. If you want to read along silently, I'll read aloud. So here we go. John 8, 48. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one, capital O, who seeks and judges. Most surely I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead. And the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who was dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom I say that he is your God, and that you say he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. For your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. The Jews said to him, Are you not yet fifty years old, and have you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and passed by. Have you noticed that truth is being attacked? Truth is being attacked. React to this statement, if you will. There is no such thing as absolute truth. These are the words that were spoken the first day of class by a professor in college. There is no such thing as absolute truth. 
What this professor was saying is that there is no right or wrong for everybody. In other words, whatever you believe to be true, well, that is true. You make truth yourself. If it's true for you, well, then it must be true for you, not necessarily for me. Now, it's quite possible that as I said that, some of you come squirmed in your chair a little bit because you didn't like the words of this professor, but it might surprise you the number of people who believe what this professor states. In fact, I have alarming statistics that says that three out of four people on the outside of church don't believe in absolute truth. Now, that may not surprise you. That may not surprise you, but this next statistic surely will surprise you. The same statistic analysis says that two out of three people in the church don't believe in absolute truth. Yeah. I've seen some of your mouths hit the floor on that one. Interesting statistics. Many of us think because we believe it or because we don't believe it changes what the truth is. In other words, truth is only what we believe. Truth is in the eye of the beholder. And following that progression, what's true for me might not be true for you. But truth is under attack today in our society. You might not know this, or you may. Just last week, there was a group, leaders of a denomination, a very large denomination here in the United States, that have gathered together to determine if God has a gender. And they're going to decide whether God has a gender or he is, has none. A very large denomination. What's happened to our society? What, what has brought us to these changes? Why are so many people so cynical when you talk about Christ and seem to be close to the gospel? There must be some foundational reason for this change. Years ago, our society was based on Christian absolutes. People knew what was right and what was wrong. But recently, more and more people have rejected God of the Bible. And their belief in God has been abandoned. And these people question the basis of the society in which we live. For instance, if there is no God, then why should we obey the Ten Commandments? If there is no God, then why isn't homosexuality marriage okay? If there isn't a God, then why can we abort millions upon millions of babies? There's no God. There are no absolutes. People eliminated God from their consciences, and they changed the laws. Christian absolutes that were held about God the creator, God the owner of all things, God being in control of all things. This is no longer the value that was held globally. Our absolutes that we believe in have been diluted, or they've even been removed on the basis of society, and they've been replaced with a worldview. They've been replaced with a worldview, and the worldview says, we don't have to accept this Christian way of doing things. We don't have to accept their biblical view. In other words, Christianity is not the only way. We must tolerate all religions and all ways of life. But, but, this tolerance really means intolerance to the absolutes of Christianity. So, 
As we now come to chapter 8 in the book of John, these last words, we find out that nothing's changed in 2,000 years. We find out that everything continues on just as the same. And as we finish chapter 8, we see our Lord Jesus arguing still with these religious leaders over what is true. Jesus has been speaking the truth to them. But because of their prejudicial attitudes and because of their religiosity, they're blinded to the truth. So Jesus continues this dialogue with these religious leaders. And all their questions and all the questions that they have for Jesus, interesting enough, has been about who he is. Well, who he says he is. Where did he come from? Who was your father? All these things were the questions that the Pharisees wanted to know that they were asking him. All their questions have been about what is true. What is the truth? Certainly, Jesus can't be telling the truth. They've already called him a liar. But is he telling them the truth? When we began chapter 8, they tried to trap him with the woman caught in adultery. They tried to confuse him with their double talk, their religious words. They tried to outreason him, believe it or not. They tried to outreason Jesus, who knows what's in the heart of all men. And when everything else failed, they resort to the one thing that man does so well, insults. You know, they insulted him. They said horrible things about Mary. They questioned his legitimacy. And now they continue to hurl insults at him. Look at verse 48. Then the Jews answered and said to him, do we say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? They're not finished with these slurs towards the Lord, although their attack on Mary was somewhat veiled. This is obvious. Back in the day, a Samaritan was half Jewish, half not. They were half-breeds. Sometimes they thought of them worse than they thought of Gentiles. They didn't like these. So to call someone a Samaritan in that day was the grossest of insults. It would be like calling an African-American the N-word. This was a horrible, horrible insult to Jesus. And then they said, and you're demon-possessed. They took that knife and they twisted it. They took that knife and twisted it. It's fascinating to me. It's really fascinating to me that when we're stymied in a debate, when we're stymied in an argument with anybody and we can't figure a way out, we always go to page 666 of the stymie man's playbook. And when we look at 666 stymie man's playbook, it says this, when backed into a corner during an argument, come out with insults, cursing, and other immature verbal attacks you can think of. Yes, sir, when you cannot refute the argument, attack your opponent. <laughs> we laugh. Have you looked at the political scene lately? Have you even dare look at what's happening to the political parties and the way they're coming after each other? I mean, if you can find the truth in there, good, more power to you. It's insane. But our Lord Jesus, in his great wisdom, had moved these Pharisees into a corner. I love it. He moved these leaders of Israel right where he wanted them. He wanted them to take their own inventory. He wanted them to look at their own hearts. He wanted them to realize that what he was telling them was true. He was telling them, this is true. Why don't you believe this? I can't believe you cannot believe that I'm sent from God. You who said you know God and who read the scriptures. You who have the scriptures in front of you that declare of me, but yet you won't see it is me. Instead, they shut their brains off. They shut their brains off to the truth, and then they allowed the venom to spew from their mouth. 
and their wicked ways. And it's almost like talking to them when they did in the old Bob Newhart show or the old Mary Tyler Moore show. When they wouldn't want to hear the truth, they went, la, da, 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 as someone was talking to them. That's what these guys are doing. They didn't want to know the truth because they couldn't handle the truth. I knew you were waiting for that one. But this is what happens when we don't recognize the truth. When we refuse to recognize the truth when it's being told to us, what we do is we spew venom. We spew venom back thinking wolves get on them. But Jesus was not finished with these guys. Far from it. He was not finished with these guys. Not of Jesus. He stands in there. He can really argue. He does not even dignify their racial slur. He doesn't even give them the, 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 the thought of dignifying their racial slow, even though there was a hint of heresy. There was a hint of heresy here. They were clearly dishonoring Jesus, demeaning him, and they were absolute cruel. These were cruel words to be said. But Jesus was clearly demonstrating his own words. And I love this about Jesus. You want to see an example to what the Bible says do? You look at Jesus and how he clearly demonstrates his own word. Mark taught on it a Wednesday ago or so. In the Beatitudes, in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 11, it says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Jesus here is demonstrating that. He's not coming back at these guys with revile after revile. He's not adding racial slurs and racial slurs. He didn't stand there and say, yeah, well, so is your old man. He didn't do that. He didn't come back at them. No. He just keeps up because he knows who he is. He knows he's the truth. He knows from where he comes from. But although they dishonored Jesus, he continually to point and honor the Father. Look at 49. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Now, you might not remember when we studied John 5. In verse 23, Jesus had told these same guys that it was impossible to honor the Father unless they honored the Son. And they didn't hear that either. <laughs> you know, it's like they're, they're not even worried about what he's saying. It's like they're constantly thinking of what they're going to say next. I'm sure none of you have ever done that in an argument. And that's okay. These guys could have cared less. These guys could have cared less. All they wanted was honor for themselves. All they wanted was honor for themselves. They were seeking their own glory. These men were glory hounds. They were the ones that would come to you and talk about themselves for a long, long time, and they would say, enough talking about me. What do you think of me? These guys were glory hounds. They wanted all the glory. They wanted all the praise. But Jesus only sought glory from the Heavenly Father. Jesus sought to honor God and no one else. And I love this, what one commentator said, and he summed it up beautifully. Listen to this, quote, Tradition-centered religion without Christ is often a mutual admiration society for people who want praise of men, unquote. Pat on the back, praising each other. When we dilute the absolutes and when we replace them with tolerance just to obtain glory for ourselves, what a sad commentary this becomes. What a sad commentary this becomes. It's most amazing to me that here you have the religious leaders, the religious leaders of all of Israel, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, these holy men. They studied the scriptures. They said they knew who God were, men who claimed they knew the truth, but they couldn't see the truth standing right in front of them. They couldn't equate what he was saying 
to the very scriptures that they said they knew. They couldn't do it. Oh. Why? They believed their truth and nothing else mattered. Their truth was more important than God's truth. Their traditions were more important than God's commandments. Their traditions were more important and they want people to know the truth that came from them. They wanted to hear people the truth that came from them. They wanted people to think that they, they alone had the truth. They wanted, to think, they wanted people to think that only they had the truth and nobody else could obtain the truth. Why? So that people would look at them and go, ooh, they must be really holy because they have the truth. But once again, they couldn't handle the truth. They told people that without the truth in them, they wouldn't know the truth. And not knowing and keeping the truth gave these guys power. Power to glorify themselves and have men glorify them. Jesus looked at them and warned them, you're going to die in your sins. You're going to die in your sins because you didn't believe that I am sent from God. And now, even now, after they have insulted him, after they insulted his mother, after they questioned his heritage, called him a half-breed, he still invites them to eternal life. you got to love it. He still invites them to eternal life. I wish we could witness that way. He still invites them to eternal life. Look what he says in verse 50 and 51. Most assuredly, excuse me, I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Once again, Jesus is showing him the way to eternal life. Keeping his word, keeping God's word is the way to eternal life. What does God want us to do? Believe, have faith. It really is interesting. Jesus was clearly telling them the truth. He wasn't about his own glory. He sought no glory for himself. He wanted to glorify God. If you're in contact with a person who only seeks their own glory, you've got to question this. But someone who glorifies God, that's what's important. When God is lifted up, when God is exalted, not a man. It's interesting that in the New King James, it says most assuredly. In the original King James, it would be verily, verily. But when you translate it all, it means Truly, truly, which means, number one, truly, you got to pay attention to. But when you hear two trulys, you really have to pay attention to it. Jesus is telling them the truth, truth upon truth. This is the truth. Keep my word, and you'll never die. Once again, Jesus is speaking spiritually. He's speaking spiritually to these guys who don't have spiritual ears. They don't have spiritual eyes. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You cannot see spiritual things. You ever talk to somebody? Maybe even you've been you've been witnessing to somebody, and you're speaking of the gospel, and they look at you like you have six heads as the words go right over their head. Wow, that's what these guys are doing. These guys are looking at them like, "What? You can't be serious." This is an interesting statement. These religious leaders, these religious leaders, couldn't figure out Jesus's ethnicity. They couldn't figure out his ethnicity, and then he hits them with the truth about never seeing death. In this one statement. Jesus told these religious leaders, and he's telling us today that there is truth. There is truth. We have to listen to that. There is truth about who Jesus is. There's truth about the truth about where he came from, and there's truth about what he can do and what he did, and there's truth about where he is now. And knowing him, you won't see death. We are faced with the exact same decision today that these religious leaders were faced with back then. Either what Jesus is saying is true, and if it's not, then it's a lie. 
Either Jesus is speaking truth or he is speaking a lie. There is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. Let's look at 52 and 53. They're responding now. Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? I love it. 52, the Jews said, I'm sorry, I, I missed my mistake. Let's go to 52 first. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? These religious leaders' heads are spinning now. And they're really not sure what's going on. They can't understand or figure out what Jesus is talking about. So they said he's demon-possessed. Once again, somebody says something you don't believe, somebody says something that you don't like, put them down. Say something. Tell, call them a name. Make it a slur. That'll make you tough, right? They can't understand this. They didn't understand what true death was. See, everyone, if Jesus tarries, everyone will face a physical death. Everyone will. But Jesus was telling that even though you face this physical death, at that very instant, you will be with me. Those who believe in me, those who have accepted my sacrifice, you will believe in me and you will spend forever in the presence of God. You will spend forever in the presence of God. If, but, here's the kicker, if you die physically without knowing him, you will be considered spiritually dead and you will be separated from God forever. That's a heck of a choice. But you have to choose. It's your choice. Bible teaches there is a second death in Revelations 20, verses 14 and 15. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he is thrown into the lake of fire. How do you get your name written in the book of life? Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Become born again. Become born again. Jesus already considered these religious leaders dead. They were walking in their sins. They were walking in their trespasses. That's why he told them, you're going to die in your trespasses. But remember that beautiful scripture that Paul writes in Ephesians 2 when he says, you he made alive who were dead in their trespasses. And he gives that whole list. And he says, but God, God was the one that gave you eternal life. God gave you eternal life through Jesus Christ. We have eternal life only through Jesus Christ and only by faith in him. There is no life outside of Jesus Christ. He is the absolute truth. He is the absolute way to heaven. Only way to heaven. Please, do not believe the lie. Don't get caught up in this other things. All roads don't lead to heaven. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. So these guys are like, what? Abraham's dead. Our prophets are dead. What do you think you are? Look at 54 and 5. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, and I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Let me set the record straight, Jesus is saying. Who has God and who doesn't have God? Those who believe in Jesus Christ have God. Those that don't believe in Jesus Christ have not. Simple. Simple. They claim to know God, but Jesus said, no, you're lying. You don't know God. You are a sure We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.